This is Aim High, the alumni podcast of Cranberry Kingswood, produced by University FM and co-hosted by Robert Lee and Kadir Mohammed. In this season, you'll hear from both alumni and faculty, people making an impact all around the world and linking it back to their time at Cranberry, a special place and community that leaves us aiming high wherever we go. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome back to another Cranbrook Kingswood podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we have a great teacher at Cranbrook. Her name is Dr. Ryan. She was actually my history teacher when I was a student at Cranbrook. And Dr. Ryan, you still teach history, is that correct? I do. I still teach sophomore history, and I remember your class very vividly. Good things, bad things? No, I remember you and Daniel singing a song from Mulan. Do you remember that? Make a man out of you? Yeah, we were doing parody songs and you guys did a performance for, and I remember it being very good. Thank you. I think me and Daniel, we have we have some latent talent when it comes to uh, singing and making parodies. It was the beginning of your career as a parody song artist. Are you still doing that project with the current students, you know, having them do parodies? You know what? I do it. I do it every once in a while. Some classes really like it and they they ask for it. So I have done it almost every year. That's amazing. And I get a wide variety of talents show up. Well, I'm glad that you have like creative projects like that because I really enjoyed that. And that was that's kind of what makes learning fun for me. For me, history was one of the subjects that I kind of struggled in just because if the passion's not there for me, then I don't, I can't like keep on learning. That's normal, I think, for, for most people in most things that they do, right? Exactly. Well, you know, just getting started, like how have you been? How's teaching at Cranbrook? I know you're also overseeing some students in the dorms as well. This year has been really great and interesting. This is the first year that I'm not the head house advisor in the Kingswood dorm. So I um, was the head house advisor for eight years and I stepped down last year. They really reconfigured the dorm leadership and we have our full-time dean of residential life now. And so it was a good time for me to to move just into being a, just a regular duty faculty person, rotation person. And that has been really a great change. Yeah. So I actually took on an extra class. So I taught more classes this year. And it's been nice to focus almost exclusively on teaching in my classroom and getting to hang out with the boarding students, but like not as the boss. Yeah. Just hanging out and having fun and, you know, making sure everybody's safe. That's been great. So it's been a fun change, honestly. Absolutely. So with that transition, you said you're teaching more classes. Which classes are you teaching now? Yeah, normally teachers teach four sections. And so in the past, I've taught four sections, but I've taught three different classes. I've taught sophomore intersections, world history, AP world history. And I have an elective that I teach that's the history of feminist thought. And I've been teaching that since like 2016. And so this year, I just got an extra section of sophomores. And out of those three classes, which one do you think resonates the most with you? It's like your favorite, would you say? Oh, I mean, you know, the history of feminist thought. That's my passion class, right? My primary area of study is women's history. Honestly, just current events wise and things that are happening now, every single day in my Facebook feed is a new thing I could talk about with my class. Exactly. And students are really interested in the topic, not just female students, but all students, all students from all backgrounds, whether or not they know anything about it. Once we start talking, they become really 
engaged in some aspect of it, whether it's dress code or whether it's sports, just inclusion in television, things like that. So people get really have their eyes opened and we get to talk about a lot of current events, which is fun. So that class is like a passion, but you know, I'm a historian, I'm a big history geek. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy to teach the, the other classes as well. That's absolutely amazing that you're teaching that passion class because all the students that are in that elective course, you know they want to be in it. They signed up for that course. Yeah, it's the idea is that that's what you hope, right? Is that they're taking it because they want to. But sometimes, and this has actually been even more interesting, I have had students put in that class because they just signed up for a history elective. Whatever option fits their schedule, they could be put in. And the variety is interesting. It's like the Nazi Germany class or my class. So you can either get Nazis or feminists or like (laughs) there was a class on the Middle East at one point, like it could have been anything. You don't necessarily know. And so there've been a couple of sections where I got a bunch of kids that told me first day, I do not know why I'm here. Really? And I'm like, great. Awesome. Good. Let's do this. It's more fun for me. Like you don't know anything. This is great. I am happy to figure out what you think about this. So that can also be super interesting and exciting to have our our class full of students that have no idea why they're there. So how do you navigate that? Like if you have a bunch of students that are unsure why they're in your course and here you are, you know, passionate about the course, how do you translate your passion to the curriculum and to making sure these students are aware and are engaged of, you know, everyday actions that are currently transpiring? Yeah, I've tweaked the course a lot since the first time I taught it, realizing that I needed to figure out how to meet students where they actually are, like in their everyday lives, because the course actually goes back and it starts in ancient Greece and it tries to make it to the present. And I mean, it's called the history of feminist thought. So we're trying to figure out where does this idea of feminism come from and how does it change over time and how do we get to the present? So I ended up realizing after a couple of years, the students are really interested in things that they can see around them, like impacting them at school. And sports tends to be one that most students have encountered something to do with like gender and sports from the girls locker rooms not being the same as the boys to the boys hockey team having better ice time i hear all kinds of interesting weird things from these kids but it's stuff that they experienced whether you're a male student female student or gender non-conforming student you have to do some sort of sport for school right or you've gone to a sporting event or you're friends are in sports. This is a subject sort of to touch everybody. So I have basically been starting the class with conversations about sports and like biology. This idea of what biologically is a woman, what biologically is a man. And then we start to talk about like intersex and people who aren't biologically male or female. Or then we start talking about trans athletes. And we have this really interesting conversation about Title IX and how recently it was that women's sports became a thing, right? Yep. Students today don't realize that it was in the 70s and it was in my lifetime. So that really gets the ball rolling in a good way. I always try to ask the students, what are you interested in? As we're moving forward, what do you want to talk about? We're going to get to the 20th century. What topics do you want to know more about? And I try to tailor readings to what the class seems interested in. So one year I remember Cranbrook was going through a discussion about dress code 
And so the kids wanted to talk about dress code. So we read a lot of stuff about dress codes and not just for schools, but for workplaces. And globally, it's an issue. And it usually targets, you know, women employees that they have to wear high heels or they have to wear, you know, certain dresses, or if you're at a job that you might have to wear something revealing to do your job. So whatever the kids seem interested in, we tweak it. This year, though, I did something even more dramatic because I had more time not being the headhouse advisor. I had been wanting to go to the Cranbrook archives to dig into the past of Cranbrook schools and feminism at Cranbrook, Cranbrook Kingswood Upper School. And so I looked at my class roster and it was I knew a lot of the students and I said, I think this group of kids, we could do something really cool. And so we, we decided we were going to do research on feminism at Cranbrook. And then we were going to produce an exhibit. And at first we thought we were going to just produce something temporary for the library. Yeah. And so we got the archivist involved. She was very excited to help us. The new steam lab teacher, we got a new steam lab teacher, Miss Sinclair this year for the fab lab. I asked her if she'd be willing to help us create an art, you know, an exhibit. She said, absolutely. And this thing turned into a bigger project than I was expecting. And the students did such a phenomenal job. We went and did all this research in the archives. And then Miss Sinclair reached out to a man at the CIS who creates exhibits for them. He builds science exhibits and he came to class and he took over helping us design an exhibit. And then his team is, as a matter of fact, right now, as we speak, fabricating it. And they're coming this week to install it on the wall at Kingswood. That is so amazing. So our little class exhibit, our little class project turned into like an actual like 18 foot exhibit that they're going to put on the wall. It was so much fun just being in the archives, learning more about Cranbrook, hearing them scream. Ah, did you see this? Ah, I have to show you that. And yeah, they I'm really proud of them. They did such a great job. I could not have asked for a better experience this fall. So I can't wait to see the exhibit. I could only imagine how proud you feel. It's so good. I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. That's amazing for a whole class to be able to create an exhibit. That's astounding. It went so much better than I could have hoped. And everyone at Cranbrook, like we were talking about before, how people just step up and jump in and help. Everyone was so excited about the students getting some cool experience and to actually do this kind of work that they made it happen, that other adults in like other areas. I mean, I'm not a public historian, right? You need a paper written, I can help you write a book, but I'm not a public historian. And so the people that know about this part of the project, they stepped in and I mean, they helped make it happen. That's amazing. And for this project to have like that kind of impact and influence and positive impact on the students, I feel like that's going to be a course that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. They're always going to reflect back on Cranbrook and remember the time where they created an exhibit for Cranbrook. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Like I said, we are supposed to put it on the wall this week. And the guy, Carl, from the Institute of Science, he wants the kids to actually like put it on the wall. Yeah. So he's got tools. <laughs> he's going to make them use tools and like actually drill it into the wall themselves. 
So they're going to have to come back. The class is over already. It was a one semester class, but they're coming back. Just to install the art piece? To install the piece. Yeah. It was their project. They designed it. They found the evidence. They analyzed it. They came up with how they wanted it to look, what they wanted to say. They did a fantastic job. I'm so excited. Okay. So I guess like the next question I want to ask you is what brought this journey about? What made you want to be A, a historian and B, what made you want to teach history? I guess I always wanted to be a teacher. I used to play school in the summer with my younger brother and sister. And then my mom would say, leave them alone. You can't give them homework. (laughs) So I kind of knew I always wanted to teach. But when I was an undergrad, I wasn't really drawn to the education classes. And I, I figured I probably wanted to teach older students. I was drawn to history. I really liked English and history. And at first I thought I was an English major because I read a lot. And then I realized I just like reading the books. I just want to read it. So I realized, no, no, that's not the storytelling I'm interested in. I realized, no, actually, really, I like storytelling in history, like actual stories, real stories, nonfiction. I think part of it was because my undergraduate advisor was such an amazing teacher and historian. I kind of just was drawn to him. And I took a lot of his classes as an undergrad and then realized by the time I was a junior, oh, I think I'm a history major. Okay, I guess I'm going to do this. It just seemed very natural. So I knew at that point, I knew, well, I either have to get a graduate degree or have to go to like law school or something to do something with this history degree. Or, you know, I could have gone on to get like a teaching certificate, right? So I knew I'd have to go to graduate school. But I My senior year, part of my scholarship, I had to write a year-long research paper, and then I had to present it to the public. I had to defend it to the public as an undergraduate. And I really got into that process. I found that I really liked the research and writing part as well, and the, the public defense and the presenting and the talking about what I was researching. And so I realized, like, I probably want to get a PhD. I probably want to do a dissertation. And you really shouldn't do a dissertation in history unless you just want to do the dissertation part. Yeah. Right. You don't do that for like fame and glory and money. You do that because you want to research something and write about it and talk to people about it. So that was my my path. I ended up coming back to Michigan and going to Wayne State for my PhD. And I thought I would teach college. I just assumed, right? It didn't occur to me that I would want to teach high school. And I was at the end of my program and I had been teaching at Wayne as a graduate assistant. And my dissertation advisor was also the chair of the department. She knew I was looking for jobs and interviewing. And one day she got an email from Ms. Viles, the then department chair at Cranbrook. They didn't like the candidates they had interviewed and they were looking for someone to teach world history. And that's like I had been teaching world history and I have a, a graduate certificate in world history. And I really liked the teaching part. So my chair of my department forwards me this email and says, I think you should apply for this job. Have you thought about high school? You like teaching. You should do this. And I said, I don't even know anything about this job, but I will look at it. And when I went to the Cranbrook History Department website and I read the description of the class, the sophomore class, because that's what they were looking for someone to teach sophomore history. It was basically a description of my teaching pedagogy, like how I teach history interactively, lots of discussion, activities, research, talking, 
And I thought, oh, this could actually be really interesting. I'm going to find out more about this. And the rest is history. Mr. Bryant was my host. I had to go teach in his classroom as part of my interview. And he was so helpful. And everyone was so nice that when I was offered the job, I thought, this is great. Who wouldn't want to do this? The students were fantastic. My colleagues were so nice. It was exactly the the right fit in terms of what I was teaching that I'd already been teaching. And so, yeah, it was like fate. That's amazing. I'm glad the plan came together in the end. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, the students at Cranbra, Kingswood, and sophomores, I mean, I taught sophomores, were probably in a lot of ways the same skill level or like higher than the freshmen and sophomores I was teaching at Wayne State. I was just teaching like gen ed classes to mostly freshmen and sophomores. And so in that sense, it wasn't a huge leap. And Cranbrook's like definitely a college preparatory school. Like it gets you ready for college. I couldn't imagine how well prepared I felt when I took my first college course. And for those that do at St. Cranbrook right now, the students, like the college that you go to, you are going to be very well prepared for the course load. You'll have the time management skills. You'll have the studying skills. Like that's not to say they won't be challenged because, you know, every class you take can be challenging in some way, shape or form, but more or less, you'll be generally prepared for it. Speaking of classes that are, can be challenging, how would you navigate teaching students that, you know, may not have the same passion for history? Yeah, it's one of those things. And this is the great thing about the way we have our classes structured at Cranbrook is with the smaller class sizes and the amount of time we spend with the students. And then even as a residential faculty member, I spend time with students outside of class. The more you can get to know students and what they're interested in, what their strengths are and weaknesses are in terms of learning. Some students I find don't like history, not because of the content, but they are slow readers. And if we do a lot of reading, it's a struggle. It's a challenge. It makes it, it's frustrating, right? It's a frustrating feeling that you have to do all this extra work just to keep up. Some people really like to be lectured to and told information. Other people find that boring, right? Some people like the videos. Some people don't like group work. One of the keys to me is to try and figure out for each student what they seem to like, what they seem to gravitate towards, and mix things up. I try to mix things up throughout the year so that we're not always doing the same thing. And I try not to give work that is superfluous. If I tell the students, if I'm giving you some sort of homework, it's because I think you need it for either the content or the skill, right? Because that's really what school's about, content and skills. And in history class, we're learning content because you should know what happened in the past, right? As a human being to make you a, a better human being. And then critical reading, critical thinking, critical writing, right? You need to be able to critically look at things that you encounter in your life. Exactly. Whether it's a history book or a newspaper or a memo from your boss at your job, you need to be able to read it, understand it, and respond to it in a deep, nuanced way. And so I try to find things that I think will be at least a little bit interesting to the students and try to figure out how we can build those skills in ways that you know make sense to them and don't feel onerous. We started the beginning of this year, actually, learning about trade. We were talking about like the Silk Roads and the Indian Ocean and the Trans-Sahara. 
We ended up doing this project. We went to the, the new fab lab. We were excited to go to the fab lab this year because it was new. The 10th grade team said, how can we get in the fab lab? Let's, what can we do? <laughs> and I said, I have an idea. Let's do a board game. We made board games. The, the students, you know, to learn the material, you can't make a game if you don't know the information about the Silk Road. But then we went to the fabrication lab and they made a board game. And then we played each other's board games after they were built. Yeah. So we learned about the various trade routes because, I mean, frankly, it's a trade route. It's geography, it's goods, it's people. So similar. But creating that and trying to figure out like, what kind of what kind of cards could they have? What kind of pitfalls might a person encounter on this trade route? You know, what's the geography like? Then that becomes like a way to take the material you're learning and apply it, which is really what sophomores should be doing. Exactly. Not just memorizing things, but also applying it. That's one of the reasons I like sophomore history is we can go at our own pace. Generally, if the class is really revved up, we can do extra things. If people are struggling, we can slow down. We can figure out what's going on. And in that way, I think that's the way to reach the most students. But genuinely making a connection with the student is the best way to get a student to like tolerate your subject. I completely agree. I mean, honestly, if they're not a history person, that's okay. What can I offer that student then as a teacher if they don't like history? Well, then I can offer you a class that you can come to every day and learn something, some skill. Exactly. If you don't like history, then let's focus on what skill you can learn from being in this class with us and what can you share? And I've had students tell me before, like, history's, I'm really sorry, but history is just not my thing. I just don't like history. I'm like, okay, well, let's do something with that. What can we do? Because I don't want anyone to spend the whole year bored out of their mind or upset to come to class. That's terrible. I want to think I got, I've gotten better at it. The longer you're at Cranbrook and the more you know the students and the easier it is to connect with them, I think, and get to know them. And that part becomes easier. Exactly. And I remember leaving your class thinking like this, that was a fun, like the parody bit. That was a fun time. So like, I think engaging the students in fun ways and you're doing a great job of that is a great way for them to actually retain the material. Thanks. I mean, as long as you walk away with something, okay, you can remember. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. And then being a teacher at Cranbrook or just a teacher in general, you know, it has its ups and downs. There are some times where it can be really hard just to, to be a teacher in general. I can only imagine how difficult it is, especially during the COVID years. But things I think at Cranbrook have returned more or less kind of back to normal. Yeah, in terms of our just regular policies and trying to get back to normal, we don't have any restrictions on students in terms of masking or class sizes. I mean, we really, I don't know if you realize, we were still in person the whole year, the COVID year. Oh, really? Yeah, we were in person. Like in the spring of 2020, obviously everyone went online, you know, no one knew what was happening. But in the fall of 2020, we decided to, we were going to have school in person. And we were able to do that by taking over the whole campus. And we moved classes to spaces where we could space everyone out. So they were very small class sizes, like maybe 10 students. And we were in huge spaces where everyone was many feet apart. I taught one class in Tremaine Common. Really? I had like 10 students in Tremaine Common. It was the weirdest experience. Some people were teaching in the plant lobby. Oh my gosh, Ms. Viles taught in the natatorium. That sounds really cool. 
so we were everywhere. We were in the science institute. We were everywhere, all over campus. And, but it was hard because everyone was masked. We couldn't we really be together. The way the classes were, we were very limited in who we saw. The teachers, we didn't see each other. That was really hard because of the way the class, everything was organized. Our offices were being used as classrooms. So we didn't see each other. But we made it. We only went online for a few weeks. I think we went online between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it was part of it was just because of the nature of the boarding element, it was hard to bring back students to the residential program. So we went online. And then, you know, the following year, we came back with some restrictions, some masking for part of the year, et cetera. So now that's all gone. But the thing we have noticed as teachers, too, is you know, we still have to be a rigorous school. We still have to teach the same skills. We still want our students to be competitive in getting into colleges. But there is, you know, there is a little bit of catching up still to do. Kids who were in middle school just didn't get, I mean, in terms of a history teacher, as much chance to write, as much practice at geography. Things that you would take for granted in the past that, oh, my students probably already know this, I'm finding I need to do that again. I need to reinforce some of that. And so we talk about that sometimes amongst ourselves. What are we noticing? What do we still need to catch up? So we're constantly tweaking the the curriculum just to keep moving that forward and bring that COVID gap down as much as possible for our students so that when they get to college, you know, they're not behind. Absolutely. Because it's going to take a little time to sort of like build back up, but there, it's not hugely noticeable. It's small things at this point where we say, oh, guess what? They don't know this. They didn't learn this. They don't know it. Yeah. And that's great that teachers are talking to each other saying like, hey, like this is what I'm noticing in my class. Is that the same in your class? And some teachers could be like, oh, that's absolutely the case. Or some could be like, no, it's not. And then for you guys to all kind of come together to put the students first and make sure that they are where they need to be. Yeah. It's great too, because history and English are in the same building and we Overlap a lot in skills, obviously. Makes sense. I go up and talk to the English teachers too, right? I'm friends with a lot of them and we teach the same students. They're in our classes. And so it's great to get their perspective too, because then we can help each other. Yeah. In terms of writing or critical reading, all those things. If we notice the same problems or challenges in both class settings, then we can do something about it. So that's been really eye opening. But on the whole, I think the nicest thing about this, even though the students like are a little behind in some things, they're so gung-ho. They're so happy to be with each other in school. Yeah. It's been a very pleasant year in terms of student behavior and attitudes. And just we are having such a fun time. They are so happy to not have any COVID restrictions and to be like normal again. That You can tell the mood in class is there. And that's been great. That's amazing. I'm glad the students are happy because the students are happy. I'm sure it makes you happy as well. And everyone's just on the same page and a good mindset. It's nice. It makes going to class every day fun. Absolutely. They're a fun bunch. My seniors even like took it to the next level. My AP class, we were doing a, an assignment that was like recipe for a revolution. They had to like talk about revolutions and recipes. And one set of kids made beignets and brought them in for everyone. Really? Because they want, yeah, they got intrigued by the idea of beignets for the Haitian revolution. And they made beignets for everyone. I thought it was so sweet. That's amazing. So the next question I want to ask you is like, what is a recent moment or maybe just like a moment that stuck with you where you realized this is what I am supposed to be here for? Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. 
Oh man, that's a good question. Maybe the first time that happened, it happens in small ways when students get it or they come to me after school and they tell me some story about how what we were learning in class affected them. I will say more most recently when we went to go see Wakanda forever. So the 4A did an outing to go see Wakanda. Miss German and I were there. You know, my students were there. And as soon as the movie ended, they ran up to us and said, oh, did you see the Mayan game? Did you see the Aztecs? That they started freaking out because we literally had just taught them. We had just done a whole unit on Mayas and Aztecs and Incas. And they, I swear, they probably would have gotten up and like run over to us in the movie theater if they thought it would have been appropriate because they were so excited about it, like recognizing it and that it made the movie mean something more to them. So it's like little things like that all the time. Yeah. That you're, you think, and this is why I, I teach. I remember the, the very first time at Cranbrook that I thought, wow, I'm like actually helping somebody. There was a student in my class. She wanted to enter a competition, the New York Times, like for students, New York Times editorial competition. She was Asian and she wanted to write something about like Asian beauty standards. And so she wanted some historical guidance on it. And then just the writing part. And she ended up winning. And her editorial piece, which was so good about how her family wanted her to get some sort of cosmetic surgery to look more Western or something. And it won and it was published on the New York Times website. That's amazing. And we were just talking about it. And we just never met a couple of times outside of class. And we just had a lot of fun talking about the topic that she was passionate about. And I proofread her submission. And I just was so happy she was, I wanted to help her through this thing. And then she won. And I thought, that's the way to do, like, that's what you do, right? You help somebody with their little goal, their little, it's not a big goal, it was a small goal, but it was very poignant moment where, you know, I was saying before, when you meet somebody where they're at and you get to know them on a personal level, that's the application of everything that they're learning. Like that was the application of everything she had been learning up until that point as a sophomore. That was the first time I thought that at Cranbrook. That's amazing. That's a very beautiful moment. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks. Yeah. It was tender. I was so proud of her. I feel like there are always going to be those students where they come to you for extra help or for those kind of special moments. And then just to watch them, you know, like you said, achieve their goals. It's just a very beautiful thing to see for, be fulfilled. Any teacher who loves teaching, that's what they'll tell you, right? It's not grading papers. I mean, I like lesson planning, but it's not lesson planning. It's seeing your students do interesting things and become the people that they are meant to be. And then you think, then I think back to my high school experience and I think about my teachers and I still keep in communication with my high school English teacher. We write each other letters and she's got to be in her 80s now. And I tell her the things that my students are doing. That's so nice and amazing. What's something that you wish all students would take away from the Cranbrook experience that you have a part of, you know, your Cranbrook experience as well? Oh, I think the biggest thing I would love students to embrace more, and this is hard because it's hard for everyone, that Cranbrook is so amazing because there's so many opportunities to try new things in a supportive, safe environment that it's a shame that more students don't try things that they might be bad at. Yeah. Because it's okay to fail. It's okay to do it wrong the first time to learn how to do it. You don't have to be perfect ever, but you certainly don't have to be perfect the first time you learn something. Exactly. And 
I just wish students, all students would feel, you know, there are some students who are brave and do it and it's okay. And they try things, new things, but the ones who are more cautious are the ones who feel pressured to only do things that they know they're going to get good grades in, or they'll only do the things that they're comfortable doing because they know they're going to be good at them. They're surrounded by adults who want to help them when they make a mistake or like when they are learning something new. And it's an unusual situation to find yourself in. And I think Cranbrook students maybe don't realize that this may be the one time in their lives when they are completely surrounded by a large number of adults who are willing to help and cheer them on and make these things happen and watch them grow. And so just to have them know that just take the opportunity while they're here, because there are so many opportunities here that they're not going to find someplace else, even when they leave and go to college. Yep, exactly. And life's all about falling down and getting yourself back up. Yeah. And you don't have to be good at something to do it. Exactly. Like I like dancing and I am a very terrible dancer, but I will just do it. Like the other day, I was just dancing in the Rose Lobby because it was fun and we were dancing and I'm a terrible dancer, but sometimes you just got to do it and that's okay. Of course. Yeah. And like, I'm terrible at guitar, but I still practice because it's still fun for me to learn how to play a new instrument. Exactly. Yeah. So I tell the students that all the time, do things. What do you want to do? Let's make it happen. Find something that you like. Yeah. Regardless if you're good or bad at it, just do it because you like it. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for, you know, giving us all these wise words and your insight when it comes to teaching at Cranbrook. I really do appreciate your time. And thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. It means the world to me. Hey, thanks, Kadir. It was really nice to see you again. This has been Aim High, Cranmer Kingswood's alumni podcast. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate if you could take a few seconds to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review. This helps a lot in getting the word out and making the podcast easier to find.